You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. In between the services, one of the young people came up to me and said, how did your first message go? I said, I don't know. I was not listening. I was too busy talking. So hopefully it went well. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that Matthew 25 challenge. I don't know if you looked at some of those things, but I'm really looking forward to Thursday. Maybe starting that one on Monday and carrying it all the way through. But actually that stuff uh, sounds very interesting to me. I'm looking forward to it. Why do we come here though? Why do we come here week after week? In Hebrews 10 it says, to not avoid the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Even back in that day, some were avoiding meeting. We come here to give praise. Now you can do that at home, certainly, and there are special times when you give praise to God in your own room or by yourself. But there's also a special moment of praising with others. We come here to pray together. James 5 says to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's really difficult when you're by yourself. And of course, we come here to hear and learn from God's word. And this morning, I am praying and believing that this word, not from me, but from the Holy Spirit, will transform your lives. And I hope to inspire and encourage you to walk out that door different than you walked in. And I want to encourage you to do big things in your life for God and carry those things out every day, one step at a time. There was a little boy who used to watch TV with his dad, <clears throat> mostly baseball. Dad knew all the great baseball players from history. The little boy wanted to be just like that. He wanted to be one of those great baseball players. So on a Saturday, he went out in the field next door and he had a baseball bat and a baseball. And he yelled out, I am the greatest baseball batter of all time. And he threw the ball up and he swung at it and he missed. Picked the ball back up. He yelled out, I am the greatest baseball batter of all time. He threw the ball and he swung at it. Missed again. He picked the ball up again and he yelled out, I am the greatest baseball batter of all time. He threw the ball, he swung at it, and he missed again. He continued to do that over and over and over. Every time he threw that ball, he couldn't hit it. Pause for a moment and, and looked at the ball in the bat. And he threw the bat away. He raised up the ball and he said, I am the greatest baseball pitcher of all time. He changed his perspective. When you change your perspective, it changes you. Your attitude, your motivation, your actions, and I would suggest it may even change your destiny. Let me give you some observations about human behavior. We tend to be bored as children, and then when we grow up, we want to be kids again. Too often we lose our health to make money, and then we spend that money to regain our health. We plan our lives from one big event to the next big event to the next big event, and we miss all the really important stuff in between each of those events. And in too many lives, we live our life as though we will never die, only to die as though we had never lived. It has been said, <clears throat> in the end, it's not the years in your life that matter, but it's the life in those years. When you get to the end of your days and you look back, Will you see an accumulation of years? Or will you see an abundance of life well lived? 
Before I proceed, <clears throat> let there be no mistake. <clears throat> what I'm about to talk about is not going to be works righteousness, but it might be confused with that, but let's be very clear. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul expounds on it further in Philippians. And I'll just read the end of his paragraph here where he says, But one thing I know, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. How many of you, how many of you want to be useful for God? You want your life to count, to be of merit, to have purpose. I'm sure that we all want that. But if you're honest, wouldn't you say you really want to be used in the big things of God? I do. I want my life to be significant and I want to succeed in really big things. <clears throat> now promise you, promise me that you won't tune me out, but you will listen through the entire service because here comes my motivational statement. And I'm glad to see the young people in the, in the front rows here because I really want to motivate you. So get ready. Here it comes. Chances are you will never do anything big for God. How'd I do? You don't want to sign me up for the next convention? All right. There's a thing that everyone who speaks has to know that you can bring your audience down just as far as you want as long as you bring them back up at the end. Don't get too excited. I'm not bringing you up yet. Good thing we had the baptism service last week. But it's true. It's likely that you will never do anything big for God because you and I view life through human lenses. And those things that we see big on the horizon in our binoculars don't even show up on God's radar screen. Because what God sees as significant, we see as annoyances. He told Isaiah that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways above yours. What God sees significant are the things that we trample on every day. We step over them every day. We step around them on our path to the next big event. But God has a training and conditioning process. We don't just advance to the main event without successfully completing his obstacle course. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. That doesn't mean given orders. That means placed in order. And as we trample on those things, as we step over those things, or we step around those things, eventually they show up again and again until we address each one of them. Because God has placed those there on your course, the course that you and I proceed one step at a time. Let me give you an example list of things that you may consider big things. Become a missionary. 
become a godly politician or godly lawyer. Start a business and have influence on your employees. Become a spirit-filled doctor, a Christian musician or entertainer. Open a Christian daycare center. And many more things could be added to that list. All good things to achieve. But these are not the big things. They're big accumulations of things, but individually they are not the big things. Let me illustrate it like this. Egyptian pyramids. You can see them a hundred miles away on a clear day, which most of the days out there are clear. Big thing, right? Go ahead. Say yes. Nope. They are an accumulation of chiseled rocks, end to end, layer upon layer, until they reach the sky. How about this, the Saturn V rocket? Forget about Elon Musk, the Saturn V of my day is still the strongest, fastest rocket of all time. Big thing. It's the size of a skyscraper. Go ahead, agree with me. Big thing, right? Nope. It's 5,600,000 pieces Devised, designed, and assembled by 400,000 technicians. All right, I'll try again. The Andromeda Galaxy. Out there somewhere, it appears to be this big swirling mass of stars and all kinds of space stuff. Big thing, right? Nope. It's a supermass of one trillion Stars, plus all the stuff that goes along with stars. There's a human condition called macropsia. It's a neurological condition affecting human visual perception in which objects within an affected section of visual field appear larger than normal. You and I have spiritual Macropsia. Now, with that in mind, my last example, certainly this one, this one's big. Evangelizing the entire world. In other words, every known Christian, or however many it takes, finds every non-Christian, non-believer in the entire world and converts them to Christ. Now, that's a big thing, right? dares say, nope, even that. Even that is not a big thing. What it is, it is a nearly infinite list of connections by human relationships that are accomplished one connection at a time. Those connections, those human connections made one connection at a time. Those are the big things. Back in the days Jesus walked the earth, he was on a road to Capernaum and he was ahead of his disciples and they were back there arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus responded by saying, if anyone would be first, he should be last of all and servant of all. Keep that in mind. Last spring, Sunday morning, I'm in church, sitting in our usual spot over there. This, the worship service was going on, and I felt compelled and drawn to sit right there where Pastor Bobby is. I came up, and I sat down, and I put my face in my hands. And I just asked God, what are the next steps? And he said, be less of a celebrity and more of a servant. That word changed my perspective on my place in ministry. Over Christmas time, 
we were in Florida. And out of the clear blue Florida sky, another word from God, so clear. Where there is a need, fill it. That word changed my perspective on my view of ministry. A few weeks later, we came back and Sarah Bogard was here in one of the services. And she came to me and said, you know, I don't know you that well and I feel a little apprehensive to tell you this, but it seems like God wants you to know. And I said, by all means, let me have it. And she, line by line, went right through what God had already spoke to me in that seat and down in Florida, exactly. And later on, as I was contemplating that, she wouldn't agree with this necessarily, but here's my paraphrase of what God had said through her. Don't give up your day job and don't give up the things you're currently doing because they are important. There will be other stuff later on. I needed to hear what she had to say to confirm those words from God. I didn't uh, understand success in ministry. I thought I needed to be seen. I, think, I thought I needed to have more and bigger speaking opportunities. I needed to have more Facebook posts. I needed to upload more YouTube videos because that's what I saw successful preachers and ministries doing. But that's where I was wrong. Because the truth is, most successful people in ministry and most ministries that are successful are the ones you don't see. As Jesus said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Being less a celebrity and more a servant means this, to do the ministry work that is less visible, less popular, less appealing. And I'm talking about ministry work that we all do because this is just a moment in time that I'm on this platform. When I step down there, I'm at the same level of ministry as you are. I still work through ministry day by day, one step at a time. And I'm talking about things like befriending a coworker, visiting a neighbor, calling on a shut-in, helping in the nursery, mentoring a new believer, or filling in wherever needed. Simple things, routine things, mundane things, thankless things but important, significant, and indispensable things. Be less of a celebrity, more of a servant means this, to serve with humility and gratitude. Finding a need and filling it means this, to minister right within your reach. So as those things sink in, let me share with you some of my vast knowledge from psychology. Checking to make sure Matt Billard didn't show up for the second service. He is a doctor of psychology. But anyways, there are things called cognitive biases. In other words, the way people have flawed thinking. One of my favorites, I have named it the rock star syndrome. And it's how we base our chances of success by those who made it to the top all along disregarding the 99.9% who died and failed trying. Because the news media and magazines, they don't report on the 99.9. They only tell you about those who made it to the top. And we don't know what advantages that they had that we'll never have. My favorite example is the Beatles when they came in February of 1964 onto the stage of Ed Sullivan Vision. Uh, Ed Sullivan, yeah, Ed Sullivan. This guy's show in New York. <laughs> he was about as quirky as I am. Anyways, they showed up with his hair down to their shoulders. Mom and dad were shocked on as we watched on Grandma's little black and white three-channel TV that we could only get two channels in usually. I was even shocked. But within months, and I've got pictures to prove it, me and both of my brothers had hair approaching our shoulders. 
and ten thousands of young people wanted to become rock stars and devoted their lives to following that. Only to end filling graveyards with people who failed to achieve something that God never intended for them. I wonder how many of those would have had instant success if they would have taken their music and played in a church, if they would have mentored young people how to worship through their talents instead of living from one event to the other, trading their health for wealth and dying as though they had never lived. There was a man in the Bible who qualified as a rock star, but he never got the recording contract. He's found in Acts chapter 9. His name is Ananias. Not the husband of Sapphira, <clears throat> that didn't work well, and not the chief priest Ananias. This was just a godly man who lived in Damascus. You can read the story and get all the details, but I'll give you the synopsis. Saul, the man who persecuted the church in Jerusalem, who later we hear his name Paul, by the way, he never changed his name. Saul was his Hebrew Paul was his Roman name. But Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians and bring them back and squash this Christianity thing. And on the road, he was met by Jesus with a bright light and he was blinded. And there's much more to that story there that I won't go into. But he was told to continue on to Damascus and a man will pray for him. Then in Damascus... Jesus is speaking to Ananias, saying, there's a man on his way from Jerusalem named Saul. I want you to go to a house on Straight Street, and I want you to lay hands on him, and I want you to pray for him, because I have a lot of things on his future agenda. And Ananias says, oh, but Lord, I've heard about this man. Lay hands on him and pray for him. Ananias makes his way to that house, and there's Saul. Lays hands prayed for him. Saul regains his sight, takes a few days to recover, and then he goes on to be the greatest apostle, the greatest missionary, the greatest church planter, the greatest New Testament writer of all time. And Ananias disappears from history. Ananias never made it to rock star status, probably didn't have posters around Damascus for him to give seminars. Ananias is not a very popular baby name that I know of. Aren't too many Pope Ananiases, but yet there's a lot of Pauls. God gave this man one simple task, laid it out before him, a task that impacted the world and then chose not to write about him anymore. What I love about that, though, is it allows you and me to fill in the blanks. Because perhaps this man was well-known, famous, noble, or perhaps he was just a commoner. Covers the whole spectrum of the possibilities of people in this room. That being said, if we were to write our names over Ananias' name and follow the same process that God has for us by being obedient and addressing each issue and each person that comes in our path, would we not have the greatest impact with our life for eternity possible? If you can't answer that question, I will answer it for you. Absolutely, yes. What is not written in the text speaks louder than what is, because no matter what this man's achievements may have been, God did not reveal or record them for us. 
And therefore, I'm going to say to you, your greatest acts of ministry in your life are very likely to never be seen or never be recorded. Take heart in that. Oswald Chambers, in my utmost for his highest, for the February 5 page, if you want to read it, he says, are you ready to be offered? His verse is Philippians 2.17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. He goes on. Are you willing to be offered for the work of the faithful, to pour out your lifeblood as a sacrifice of the faith of others? Or do you say, I am not ready to be offered yet? I do not want God to choose my work. I want to choose the scenery of my own sacrifice. I want to have the right kind of people watching me and saying, well done. It is one thing to go on the lonely way with dignified heroism, but quite another thing if the line mapped out for you by God means being a doormat under people's feet. Suppose God wants to teach you to say, I know how to be humble. Are you ready to be offered up like that? Are you ready to be not so much as a drop of water in a bucket? To be so hopelessly insignificant that you are never thought of again in connection with the life you served. If our life amounts to be nothing more than a drop of water in a bucket, if that is what God has ordained for us, then we should commit to being the best drop of water ever. There was another man who could have had fame but didn't. His name is Pastor John Kilpatrick. He was the pastor of Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola. I talk about it often because Pam and I and our family were there twice, and it was impacting for sure. Well, John had come into that church as a senior pastor, and he had worked to reestablish ministry there. He had worked to rebuild the building, refurbish everything, he had going a prayer meeting for three years, faithfully praying that God would visit this church with revival. One morning in his garden, he heard the voice of God say to him, John, may I use your church? Well, of course. Of course, Lord, that's what we have been preparing for. Absolutely, you can use my church. But John, I'm not going to use you. Imagine that. But imagine being so humble and so faithful to continue on. And some weeks later, an evangelist named Steve Hill was invited to give the Father's Day message. And pretty much that service never ended for five years. But to those of you who are familiar, if you've either been there or you've heard about it or read about it or you will find out about it, you're unlikely to hear much about John Kilpatrick. You'll hear about Steve Hill and Lindlow Cooley. But the man who played Ananias in that story is largely unknown. And then came Jesus, who said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all, who is the ultimate example of those words. And Paul goes on to expound in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. 
being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I pause the message right here because this is the gospel message inserted into the middle. And I want to be sure we give opportunity to those who have never become part of the family of God. And if that's you today, you've never really understood your sinful nature. You've never really acknowledged it and turned away from it and turned toward God. You've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Basically, you've never called on the name of the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity today. And I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to do anything like that. But just to start the conversation with you, if you are interested in finding out how to become part of God's family and how that you too can live forever with him, we have these booklets that are called Next, Next Steps. And this will start the conversation. If you are interested at all, just raise your hand and I'll have one of our prayer partners or somebody to get one of these books to you. Is there anyone here interested? Thank you. All right. I'll get one of these books to you. And be sure, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, there'll still be an opportunity at the end when I'm leaving or when Pastor Sean or Bobby are here or one of our prayer team is around, please come and speak with them. Get one of those books and let's start that conversation. Life is extremely short. So short that we don't have time to waste on our own personal pursuits. But the key word is waste. Didn't say we shouldn't have personal pursuits, but we shouldn't waste time on them. Certainly, excel in business, be the greatest at your job, advance in your career, finish and complete your education. But really, those are just the basics of the Christian life. Because we should all be good stewards of our God-given gifts. Pursue those things. But as expansive as this world is, in size, variety, diversity, experiences, and opportunities, you and I have a snowflake's chance in you-know-where to really make a substantial, meaningful impact in the world. The very best we can just do our part yeah, some will excel to the top. But we don't know the advantages that those people had getting there. And we don't even know if that's what God wants for us. But the things we do know God wants before us are right there, one step at a time. So therefore, our significance is funneled and focused to a much more finite objective. Ones that we can see, that we can confront, that we can achieve again and again and again till a mountain of small encounters accumulates into enormous significance. And once you recognize those small encounters, that those are the big things of God, they will suddenly appear all around you. I continue with my psychology expertise. There's a thing called the Reticular Activating System, or the RAS. It's a bundle of cells in the base of your brain. Basically, is your brain's spam filter. And what it does is it pushes away the things 
that you don't really need to focus on when you need to focus on something else. And it works like this. You might be familiar with it. If you've wanted to buy a specific car, certain color, certain style and all that, and you search and search and search, you go online, you answer the ad, you call the, the phone, uh, the car dealers and you visit them and finally you find just that car. That's it. You buy that car. And as you're driving on the way home, there goes another one just like it. Huh. Haven't seen one before. Or you have just the certain style of clothes that you're looking for. You shop all around the different clothing stores and go to Amazon and everything. Finally, you get just that piece of clothing. Sunday in church. There's three other people wearing it. Or maybe you hear this catchphrase and you like it. I'm going to use that catchphrase. And you go to work and before you can even say it, someone else does. And then someone else is saying it. Well, they didn't catch it from you. They've always been saying it. It's just now that that RAS has kicked in and now you're noticing it. When you finally grasp that the Big things of God are right before you. Then you will start seeing those everywhere as well. So back to that list again, because I do want to bring you back up and motivate you to do big things in your life for eternity. Becoming a missionary, absolutely excellent goal. But you start by supporting one of the missionaries on our list in this church. And then you email them. And if you can call them, call them. Start a conversation. Start a relationship. Maybe go on to their mission field and work with them. And eventually, in God's time, you'll branch out with your own. Become a politician or a lawyer. I joke about that too much, but we certainly need godly politicians and lawyers. Start by coming up to the elders and the deacons in this church and the prayer partners and asking that God anoints you on that path. Become a doctor. Exemplary. Start on the prayer team by praying for people's healing and see how God does it and then carry that into your future practice. Start a daycare center, absolutely, but start right here in the church nursery and in the kids' church and then babysit for people, people who just need a break, a night out, come into their home and sit with their kids and then connect with a daycare center and branch out from there. How about a musician? Absolutely. But here is where those words come back in. Start off small. Avoid the celebrity and rock star syndrome right from the start. Help with the technical team. Help with setup and teardown if, if that's needed. Teach other people how to worship through your talents and their talents of music and song. Work your way gently onto a worship team and see where God takes you from there. Start a business, probably the most common one. Outstanding. But there's with that word, finding a need and filling it comes into play because that's the foundation of most every business is filling needs. And if you can find a need that's not being filled, there's your open door. I can probably guarantee that you will do big things with your life. But unless those big things are grounded and focused with godly intent, they will be big things for you only. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When your heart connects with God's heart, 
your desires become God's desires, then your big things will be his big things. Worship team, if you'd come, please. Of course, you want to succeed in life. You want to do big things. And let me point out, wherever you are on the spectrum here, if you're young people starting out, you've got your whole life ahead of you and you've got goals that you're focusing on. And I encourage you to continue. But if you're approaching later life, and you think, well, it's too late for me to start. What's in this for me to be accomplishing for God? God will redeem that time. And if you don't believe it, come see me afterwards. Because I know a man in my life from some years ago who said the same thing. He was on the sunset of his life. But perhaps those last two years were the most productive he had ever had in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter, young or old. We all want to do big things, and we can. And it begins and continues in a simple way, one step at a time. And I think most of us have these ladders of success in our life. And God's ladder of success begins with one smile to somebody who's longing for acceptance or one hug to someone who just needs comfort or maybe one handshake to someone who just needs to be included. Maybe one phone call for someone who is waiting to be forgiven. Maybe one visit to a shut-in who no longer has any community. One thank you card given to someone where honor is long overdue. One commitment to love God and love your neighbor, then repeated continuously. until they stack higher than the pyramids of Egypt. They reach beyond the farthest galaxy or travel faster than the Saturn V rocket until they touch the face of God. My prayer for you and for me is this, that God would look down from heaven and he would say to his son where they saw a need, they filled it. When offered praise, they declined it. When the journey labored, they endured it. One step at a time. Bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to share your words and thoughts through my voice. I never take this for granted. And Lord, I pray that these words, they pierce our hearts and that they change our lives forever. And that each one of us, me included, when we walk out the back of this building, that one step at a time, we will make encounters with heavenly and eternal significance. Thank you, Jesus. Human nature is to climb that ladder of success. 
And when we do, we look up to those who are at the top. But God's ladder to success is totally opposite. Because the people who have succeeded, they're down there. So when you're on God's ladder to success, be sure that you're both looking and stepping in the right direction. Amen. Thank you, Rocky. Will you stand uh, this afternoon and let's respond to that message. Um, the first service, I shared a little bit about the history of the, the song we're about to sing and, and from Isaiah, and, and that's powerful. But this service, as I was hearing Rocky uh, preach and share, I, I was reminded of the, the parable that Jesus shared of, of the talents. And uh, there's a powerful thing when you see yourself as a steward or as a servant. You realize that everything you have actually isn't yours, that you are just taking care of something that someone else has given you. And so... Uh, what I love about Rocky's message is that's true of us, that uh, the time we're given, the friends we're given, the circle of influence we have, the, the talents that we have, the, the jobs and the professions we have, if we see ourselves as mere stewards of things that God has given us, it changes our whole perception about how we exist and why we exist for those things. It's not for ourselves. It's not for our own accolades. It's not so that we can climb up the ladder, but it's so that we can serve others and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and I was drawn to a passage that talks about this in, 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 the, in the book of Peter, First Peter. It says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. As stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So that when you're serving, no matter where you're at or, or what your profession is or, or when you're around friends or even a, a place of influence might be not necessarily people you're friends with, but just people you're around that maybe need you to be a friend that that's expressing God's grace in one of many, many forms. And what a powerful thing for us to realize that everything we have, everything that we've been given is a gift for us to steward and to take care of. And how many of us, how many times have I just treated God's gift as utter rubbish? and used it for my own advancement or my own way, or even not used it to the best of its ability. And so we're going to sing a song this morning called Send Me. And the anthem of that is, God, no matter what you want, no matter what you're calling me to do, here I am. Send me. Use me. And let that be our prayer today. Amen. just close our eyes and search our hearts this morning. Search our hearts for places maybe where we're comfortable, not necessarily content, but maybe complacent. Lord, being a servant, being a steward, Lord, it takes being uncomfortable, Lord, so make us uncomfortable this week. Make us mindful of those in our circle, those around us who are forgotten, who are hated, who are despised, Lord. That, Lord, you didn't come to be served, but to serve others, Lord. And you went out of your way for those who our society despised. Lord, help us to do the same. Open our eyes to the people in our circles, in our midst. Lord, make us uncomfortable 
about our finances, Lord. Stretch us, Lord, that, that Lord, we thank you for what you've already done, Lord, through giving to missionaries that, that, that we don't even know the impact we're making, Lord. Giving to Syria and Turkey the past couple of weeks for the earthquake over there, Lord, that we will never know the people that those meals will feed, the people it will help, Lord, but you do, Lord. Lord, and stretch us with our time. Lord, that everything we learn isn't a feather in our cap, isn't a way to climb up the ladder, Lord, but is a weapon in a utility belt, Lord, to be able to proclaim your good news, to share your faith, to bring your kingdom to earth. Lord, we thank you for the reminder that we are servants of a king. Remind us of the end of that parable where you will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Lord, help us to be good in what we do. Help us to serve in everything we do. And Lord, help us to think of a next step. Maybe it's Matthew 25 for us that we need to take a second to remember the impact that is happening in the lower two-thirds world, Lord, maybe stretch us, get us uncomfortable. In the way that we live, Lord, maybe, maybe it's stretching us by going to Detroit. Or Lord, maybe it's something as small as just praying for someone, going through a hard time, being nice to a coworker who's been nothing but mean to us. But Lord, just make us aware of the things that you've given us, the friendships that you've put in our place, the family that you've given us, Lord, the jobs that you've provided us, the place in which we live, Lord, that Ananias simply was someone living in Damascus, Lord, and we are people simply living in Muskegon and Norton Shores and Spring Lake and Ferrysburg and Grand Haven, Lord. And if you could use someone like Ananias... Lord, you can use us as well. So we know that as we leave this place to our homes, like Ananias in Damascus, Lord, that you will reveal to us ways that we can be used. And we know that as we go, as we leave this place as salt and light to a lost, hurting, and broken world, that you will be before us, behind us, and around us every single step of the way. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor today. Here we are. Send us. And we go as sent ones in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Pastor Rocky. You guys can go in the grace of God. I hope you have a great and a blessed week and are used mightily by the Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.